Hello and welcome to the Three Things Podcast, where each week we have a guest to tell us three things about their area of expertise. This week we have Maureen Taylor, who's CEO and co-founder of SMP Communications. Maureen's theme is Thinking Like a Founder. I'm your host, George Hooker. This is episode three. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mo. Hey, how are you? Uh, how are you doing today? I'm just great. Thank you. So tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do? Okay. So our company, SNP Communications, we work with predominantly leaders. And leadership is hard. So helping them, whether they're founders or in big companies, do the right thing and be the best that they can be. And what kind of leaders would you work with? Mostly in the technology industry. And as technology is now pervasive in all industries, we're in finance, health, pharmaceuticals, different industries. So um, the kind of leaders, we look for people who have a founder mindset. Uh, Growing up in the technology industry, we've worked with a lot of founders. And in fact, a lot of, if you look at our customer list, a lot of the companies we work with are founder-led So as founders ourselves, we have a propensity and um, a sensitivity towards people who start something and then build it. And so uh, what kind of things uh, would people generally come to you needing help? So there's three areas that we focus on communication skills themselves, something we're now calling the founder mindset. And the third one is a variation of improv. (laughs) Improv. Mm-hmm. Improv mm-hmm. in leadership sounds like uh, interesting. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so to be a founder and whether it's a small company, when you're just starting up to a large company, um, one of the attributes of somebody who's really good at it is there's an element of flexibility. Uh, you have a strategy. You have direction. You have clear goals. You say what you mean, mean what you say. But there's also an understanding of what's going on that we have found more so in the founder mentality than not. So we try to take that and help other leaders have that as well. And uh, you're a co-founder yourself, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, have you learned a lot from your own personal experience as a founder? An attribute that we have found from working with founders, and then I think we have it as well, is you have to stay a student. So you're always learning, no matter what the experience is. Um, Some things you want to keep forever, but you have to be flexible. So every day, every person, every new generation or group of people that comes – you know, into our office or we have the honor of being able to work with, we learn from them as much as hopefully they learn from us. So how did you actually get into this line of work? Well, co-founder came from government and broadcasting and then public speaking teacher on my end and the combination of the two uh, and the desire to serve. So the three uh, values we have, service, accountability, and curiosity. So to serve is the highest form of humanity. So we really enjoy that. Um, Accountability to our customers and to our team that before the project till after the project, we are 100% accountable. And curiosity. I mean, we actually care about what makes people tick, uh, what's going on, what their story is. And that's uh, the journalistic thing that both Ren and I have. 
we actually uh, prefer to be in your chair <laughs> asking the questions than the other way around. Mm -hmm. And to be a good journalist, you really do care about the story. So that's a characteristic that's a differentiator of us and the people that we hire. And did you, you worked as a journalist previously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, we had uh, radio uh, programs about technology and the impact on culture way back when. It was very fun. So, yes, there's a lot of foundation um, built on what we did before, public speaking and journalism. The theme today is Think Like a Founder, mm -hmm. uh, and you've brought us three things about thinking like a founder. So what are your three things today? So our focus is helping leaders be better at what they do because it is a hard job. So there's three areas we focus on. Communication skills, what we call the founder mindset, and then that final piece of being flexible or improv. Mm -hmm. So the communication skills, working with them on first what Aristotle said and all the data scientists are proving that is correct in order to motivate, to inspire, to move people First, you have to understand where they're coming from. You have to always understand the audience, the constituency, the group of people that you're working with, what their mind frame is. So we spend a lot of time because everyone thinks about themselves. Mm -hmm. It's hard to develop the muscle where you're first thinking about the other person or group. So with, with listening then, mm -hmm. um, what would be like the, the main thing that you would tell um, people when they come in not looking for help about how to be a better listener? Mm -hmm. So people talk about being present and uh, focusing on the other person. If you work on not thinking about what you want to say while someone else is talking – which is a really hard thing to do because the inclination to make a connection with somebody else is to think about what you're going to say while they're talking. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is to not do that and actually listen. Um, for a lot of us, we can hear. Listening is actually a skill. So to, to get my mind not thinking about what I'm going to say but actually listen to your questions mm -hmm. is a mental discipline that we work very hard on. To let the other person know that um, that you did listen to them, you edit back to them what they said so they know that you understood them, which is a good thing in listening. But also it helps with your own discipline if you know that you have to edit back to somebody what they said to you. That, And I'm not talking parroting. I'm talking editing then uh, it makes you focus on the person and actually not think about yourself, but think about them. So that process of uh, rephrasing uh, what you've heard, what you've been listening to, that's, uh, that's one technique that you mm -hmm. can use to mm -hmm. engage a bit better. That's right. And also the journalistic approach because, you know, why are you asking these questions? What are you trying to do? What, what is it? What is important to you? Why is this crucial? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? All of those questions as well as interviewing are um, good too. And that understanding of the person you're talking to, that's, that's the bridge. Well, it is when you think about it. Uh, well, my father used to say, what do you learn while you're talking? Nothing. <laughs> so I was kind of raised on it. But also Aristotle and data science is proving it that if you do understand like in a debate or in a court of law, you understand the opponent's argument, you have a chance, a better chance at being convincing, motivating or inspiring about your own. 
So um, it's a really hard but differentiator in leadership attribute to work at. Sounds like it could almost be a chapter in uh, Art of War. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that too. But what we're talking about is being a good leader and how to inspire people. Um, So what else about communication skills? Um, Well, okay. So content clarity. So helping people because everyone works on how they want to – what they want to say, what their slides are, what their strategy is, what they're working on. So sure, again, that narcissism about what people want to say versus – Yes, you have to do that. But how do you make it clear for the audience? So getting it into hunkable pieces in a linear fashion that helps the audience understand. So we work very hard on content clarity. Clarity, not just for you, the speaker or the leader, but clarity for the audience. So it's clear to them. And what kind of things lend clarity to your presentations? So presentations, running a meeting, having a conversation with somebody, uh, uh, the prep is thinking of almost like an outline. It's linear thinking. So Roman numeral one, two, and three. We leave school and we forget all about it. And usually when we're trying to convince somebody of something, we lead the horse to water. So we give all the details and all the whys of whatever recommendation or suggestion that we're making versus start with that. Start with the thesis and then back it up with detail. So it's a real fun exercise to work with people to get them to um, what is the thesis? What is the most important part of what you're saying that if they remember that one sentence or those two sentences when they walk away, they'll have that. It's almost like the key to... Uh, properly communicating something is understanding it so that you can express it simply. Mm -hmm. And most of us don't spend enough time on that. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It's more a discipline to, again, think more about the audience and being clear for them rather than your need to tell them everything. Do you think that's an issue in leadership of people not thinking enough about their audience? I think it's a human, the human to stay alive. We are self-interest, ego, and ambition. I mean, we think about ourselves, right? So what we need to do and what we need to say, and that's how we survive. So that's nature. I think a skill and a fulfilling purpose, a higher form of just surviving is thinking about the audience, thinking about your constituency first, to be inspiring and motivating. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want an audience to listen, pay attention, and be motivated to action, since nobody listens to anybody anyway, you're asking an awful lot. And talk to any um, famous leader, or and we've learned over the years from them and what they do, you have to say something or communicate something so many times before – you see it stick. And how you know it sticks is water cooler talk. You see people talking about what you said amongst themselves, not just, yes, I heard you, but you actually hear them talking about it. So how do you make, um, how do you make your message memorable? So whether it's writing or speaking. So in writing, the message up front. So uh, there's this, <laughs> this great guy who said to 7,000 sales guys, 
if you send me an email that I have to open the email to know what you want me to do, I will delete it. So I thought, oh, that's extreme. Uh, but over the years, then helping people figure out how to do that in the subject line, what is it you want me to do? Is this action or is this FYI that I can read later? Mm-hmm. Um, at the top, tell me what you're recommending, you want something, but state it clearly and then give the background. So that's memorable in writing mm-hmm. and the same thing with speaking. Also physical skills, look at people, sparkle up a little bit. There's an executive presence part to standing in front or on stage or in a room that is very much like a sport, just a physical skill. Mm-hmm. So we work on that as well. Mm-hmm. What kind of physical skills uh, are top of your list? Eye contact. Actually look at people when you're talking to them. Intangible characteristic that Aristotle talks about is if you actually can look at people while you're talking to them, they think you are credible, that credibility is attached to eye contact. Um, so there's that. Eye contact. Mm-hmm. That's the that's one, that, important one. That's the one you want people to go away with. Well, I think credibility for leadership is key. Mm-hmm. And uh, credibility comes with things like eye contact. Well, no. First, credibility comes because you're credible. But how you show you're credible one way of doing it is being able to look at people. Because a lot of people are nervous and they, you know, look away or they look down. And that sometimes can come across as um, nervous or not sure about what you're talking about. So first of all, you have to be credible, but then you can show credibility with that physical skill. Great. So what's your, uh, what's, what's your second thing then? So the founder mindset. So with working with so many uh, founders and being founders ourselves, there's something about it that I think is special, and we've learned this from, from them. Three things. Authentic, empathetic, and logical. So the authentic piece is really interesting, um, and it's an overused word now. You know, people say, oh, you have to be authentic, like it's something new. The word authentic isn't really authentic anymore. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing, though, with founders are like artists. They can't help it. Right? So building something or creating something is um, – it's not work. It's not something you punch in and punch out. And we spend so much time, whether you're a founder or not – working, why not make it more of an art than something that you just do? Those of us that are fortunate enough to be able to work in something that we care about or like. Mm -hmm. And founders are great at that. I mean, they don't look at it as something that is um, a drain or a strain. It's something that they love. There must be something about uh, the type of person that's drawn to becoming a founder or a co-founder, though, because it's not an easy path. No, it's not easy. But that doesn't matter (laughs) because you can't help it, just like an artist who struggles. And that's that's the best comparison I have. When people talk about their art, whether they're making a lot of money or not, they would do it either way. The motivation is the art. So you talk to um, an engineer who's trying to build something, and they're more about what it's going to do and the impact it's going to have on the world or an artist like you. The impression that something that comes from inside that you can't help but get out for the world to see. You know, and it's not for fame and fortune. You can't help it. Now, you can't give that to people. I I think it's something um, some people 
it's both a uh, it's it's a um, it's a gift and a curse <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, but there's elements of it that we can all learn f- from, and it certainly makes things more interesting. So um, that's the authentic thing that we find with thinking like a founder. Um, so what other things uh, go into the founder's mindset? So empathy. There's an um, understanding of people and that uh, even though you are building something or you're creating something, the human operating system, the people around you to help you do it are key. So founders inspire people and they motivate people uh, and they recognize that those folks that are there with them at the beginning and stay with them as they're trying to achieve this purpose, they um, there's an empathy. There's an empathy with that kind of um, effort and birds of a feather flock together. So founders attract people that also want to do something. You know, Google is a great example. Hmm. Uh, in the early days, it was employee 8,463 before – the employees started talking about how good Google looked on their resume. Up to that point, people only talked about democratizing information, that no matter what school or pedigree or how smart they were, they they were attracted to this effort to be able to spread the access to information to everyone. It's quite inspiring. Well, they say um, the first followers are actually quite similar to the leaders Mm -hmm. in a group. Yes, just not quite as crazy. (laughs) They might not mortgage their house six times to make their payroll. Um, So there's just a slight difference because they're attracted to the founder. Mm -hmm. But there's a similarity. Impact and meaning to work is very important to that team, mm-hmm. not just the founder. So in that way, they're very similar. And what other things go into the founder mindset? Okay, so authenticity, the empathy, and then logic. That um, usually, despite passion, they're pretty smart people, and uh, they know that it's going to take more than if you're building something that's going to have impact. It takes more than um, – only your skill and your talent and your uh, drive. So they're pretty keen on what is the logic that it'll take to build. So attracting people that will help them, knowing as they go where their weaknesses are to fill in the puzzle pieces that will help them build a community and a company to be able to take what they're doing to spread it out to the world. So a logic that is the balance to that empathy that they have. Kind of feeding back into the communication skills is this uh, recurring theme of overcoming one's own ego to be a good leader and to be able to to connect properly with your audience or those who are working Mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. Ego is something that keeps food in your mouth and a roof over your head, right? Um, Purpose, art serving, those things make life more interesting. So uh, ego in check is much healthier than ego overwhelming. So, uh, and that's a discipline that whether you're a founder or not, that one works at. 
to be really great at something, ego is second to the art of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, thing three. What is your thing three today? About so thinking improv. Like a founder? So we call it improv. Improv is something. It's again overused, and uh, lots of people are taking improv classes, which is very fun if you've never done it. It's quite exciting. But the really good leaders, despite strategy, logic, goal orientation, being able to motivate, inspire, being able to make good decisions and stick to it. There's an element of flexibility that they have that's quite interesting. And how to know when to stick to something and when to be flexible is art form. What is it about being able to, when you're in a situation, to be so totally present that you see something that's outside of your strategy document or what you've agreed with the board to do? And it's, it's, it's a sense. It's intuition. And there's, there's something really cool about a founder that – the founder mentality that seems – to have a balance between data, and certainly a lot of people we work with because they're engineers, I mean, there's a lot of stuff about data, right, and having that, but that the intuition that comes from being so present to that human operating system that you you make decisions based on something else other than just information. It's almost like a gut instincts, some intangible element in decision-making or considering problems. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, uh, even my most rabid data scientist, that um, even though that's their thing, um, a lot of what data science is dependent upon is a credible hypothesis. If you don't have a credible hypothesis, no matter what you come up with, um, can be either good or bad. So intuition is as dependable as a hypothesis. So how in touch you are with um, identifying what is credible with your intuition. Again, like art, why do you put that color there? Or why did you take that shot? There's something that's intangible about a founder and a founder mentality that is an interesting combination with logic and strategy and science. Can that be taught? Or yeah. are you born with, a, in, with this intuition? Okay. Angela Duckworth, the University of Pennsylvania, she did this great book on um, our leaders and this kind of stuff. Are you born or can you be taught? And I think it's 50-50. That's what she came up with. Um, so I'm not sure. There are some things that people are born with and then there are things that people learn Depending on your intuition, does that come from, you know, a scrappy upbringing where you had to make decisions before your time could be, or is it that you're gifted with that ability? I think the jury's out. Either way, once you know that you are gifted with that from nature or from experience, Um, taking good care of it, getting to know it and growing it. I think that's where we help people to recognize it and to grow it. 
is there any piece of advice that you would give to people out there who are uh, thinking of uh, starting their own initiative? Mm-hmm. Well, whether you're starting your own initiative, like your own business and taking that kind of risk, or you're working for somebody else, whether you're a founder or not, the thinking like a founder, um, aside from working on being authentic, I mean, you may as well spend your time doing something that you care about. Um, being empathetic to other people makes you a better human being anyway. Mm-hmm. And logical, doing the right thing and having some sort of plan, those are good things to stick with. I think that um, the other thing that's most valuable and inspiring with every founder that we have the honor of working with is there's a value to them of the values the values of what they do and how they do it, um, how they set up a culture, how they treat other people is really important to them. And I think um, making the world a better place, they're doing it. That each person, we'd love to bring that to people, whether you're that kind of risky founder, crazy person, or every day you wake up and you get to go and do this particular job, that values are important. Doing the right thing is a killer app in making the world a better place. Is um, is making money enough of a value? Or do you think that a good leader or a good founder needs some more powerful motivation? Yeah. The founders that, that we get to work with and a lot of the leaders, of course, I mean, making payroll and making money and being successful is key. On top of it, what's more important is how you do it how you do it. Not, not, not everyone agrees with this. But the people that we have the honor of working with, they do think that that is more important. The values on how you treat people, how you treat the money, how you build it, what the culture is, that that is key. Uh, business ethics is probably going to be a big um, big issue in the next few years with these mega companies. Well, it's funny because, I mean, we've taught this for 25 years. So having values, it's the first thing that you need to think about what kind of culture you're building and all of that kind of stuff. Yes, we're very popular right now, actually, as a company on how to teach ethics. Ethics and values are very important. They always have been. And if they become fashionable again, that is also a good sign for the world. So you're a founder yourself. So when things start to get tough, you know, you have a a hard week or a hard day or um, a hard meeting. Um, what do you tell yourself to motivate yourself as a founder, as someone who knows that there's a lot of people relying on you? Mm-hmm. So the there's a balance. Um, and the freedom that you have as a founder to do your art, to build whatever it is that you think you're bringing to the world, there's a tremendous freedom in that. That's on one side of the scale. On the other side of the scale is responsibility and the responsibility of people, money, all the things that it takes to take care of the people that are helping build this thing or this service, that it's the responsibility that you always have to uh, be accountable for. And that balance between the joy of freedom And the weight of responsibility, you always have to keep in mind, whichever side, whether you're soaring with your freedom or you're bogged down with your responsibility, you keep that balance and you never forget it. So what do you think makes 
some founders stand out from others? Well, this, and it's not just founders. It's anybody who um, really cares about what they do. And it, Aristotle said it. He said, quality and living a quality life and doing things with quality, doing the right thing and having values around it. Quality is not an act. It's a habit. It's a habit that you can develop every single day in everything that you do. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Take care. That was episode three of Three Things, where we talked about thinking like a founder. This show was recorded in Dublin. Uh, I'd like to thank SMP Communications for hosting us in their studio. Next week, we're going to be talking to Aaron O'Grady, who's a musician and composer, and he does the musical arrangement for a group called Glasshouse Ensemble. So check them out. Thank you for listening, and see you next week.